Okay, good morning, BCF, Bethel Christian Fellowship, or others. This, this is a place where strangers become friends and friends become family. And then family get to be sent ones, and you all have been sent all over. I don't see any of you except our beloved Matthew and Emily who are here recording with me. So this is a very unusual situation. I'm the only one who dressed up for church today. You all are sitting in your pajamas or whatever. I bet even Justin doesn't have his tie on today. So um, anyway, in this unusual situation, welcome to Bethel Christian Fellowship. And let's pray as we ask God to bless his word as we meet together over his word. Lord, we ask you to be with us where we are. We ask you to be speaking to us in the situation that we're in. Lord, we need you to speak clearly to us, to our hearts, to our minds, to our families, to our situation, to our church, to our world in this situation, in this time. Lord, we ask for your intervention in this time. We ask for your healing, your help, your grace, your word to us now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm Pastor Steve Rasmussen, and this is Bethel Christian Fellowship with uh, Empty Pews. You may be one of us, you might not be. This might be your first time to peek in on uh, one of our services, since we're putting this on YouTube. Um, this is an unusual week. It's been an unusual two weeks um, since, we, since I was last together with you. Um, everything seems to like it has changed, and uh, I know some of you are feeling just overwhelmed, and uh, things have become very strange. I've been feeling like things have become very strange. So two weeks ago, I was here and preached to you all, and then uh, we went for a vacation out to uh, North Carolina, saw my son Justin, and everything changed while we were out there, and uh, everything was closing right behind us, and, and uh, came back to a very different situation, and different, uh, missed our last congregational time together. Out there we went to his church and then we had church in the backyard with the three of us, which some of you are doing, except it might be colder here, so maybe it's a church in the living room. So uh, anyway, we're together again um, to praise the Lord and to look at his word. And so in this time, when uh, it feels like everything is disorienting, um, maybe it feels like we're, you're in the wilderness and you're by yourself. Maybe some of you are um, all by yourself. Some of you are with just your family. And uh, some of you who are with your family are with, wishing you were by yourself. And some of you who are by yourself are wishing you were with your family. Because it's a different kind of situation. So um, I just want to say it's, uh, I'm also feeling the oddness of this. And if you are feeling strange and this is like this is not normal, that's okay it's normal to be like this is not normal um, and it's okay to be feeling maybe angrier or irritable or upset or sad or whatever because this is a quick change and not something we hoped for so um, we I just want to tell you that's it's okay if you're feeling strange like me and if you've had sometimes when it's hard to go to sleep and sometimes when it's you get thinking about too many things um, so, um, that's okay. I want, I, because of that, I wanted to tell you a story. I wanted to tell you a story because it might feel like everything's out of control. So I decided to tell a story about uh, when I was a teenager, 1978, and uh, we were at Sand Hill Lake Bible Camp, which is our camp 
just up here that many of you have been to. And uh, while I was there in the middle of the night, about 2 a.m., there was a sound like a freight train driving over us. And uh, I was in a pup tent. I got up and uh, uh, tried to undo the zipper at the same time my dad and mom were in the little fiberglass camper. Here, I'll show you a picture of the fiberglass camper. They were um, next door in the uh, camper and uh, dad said, something's gonna happen, jumped out of bed. Mom jumped out of bed, started to get her shoes on. As dad would say, he was trying to get his pants on. He said, mom doesn't like to go anywhere without her shoes on. And I usually don't like to go anywhere without my pants on. And so as they did that, a 10, 12 inch limb from a tree came crashing down on their bed where their heads were, and followed by a second one. Meanwhile, I was trying to get the zipper open. And I got it open, started walking in the pitch black around the camper and they uh, opened the door and uh, a tree crashed and pulled the door off the hinges um, right in front of me, but I couldn't see that because it was pitch black. And I had to duck under that tree to get around and then we uh, went and got in the back of the Dodge Dart and pulled the seat out and ducked down and uh, my mom was saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And my dad was saying, he's got it all under control. He's got it all under control. And I said, I wish I could believe that. <laughs> Because um, that's exactly how I felt. So it may be that right now you feel like, ah, I wish I could believe that, um, that God was in control. It just didn't feel like it at that time. So right now you might feel like God has not got this under control. I don't know who's, anybody's got this under control. Um, but we uh, eventually, the, the noise died down. We made ourselves to the dining hall and uh, we started counting noses and people started showing up there through but climbing through the rub the rubbish and the and all the down trees and and uh, a tornado had ripped right through the camp in the middle of family camp and there were over 250 people there and we were starting to wonder what would happen my dad was a director he felt terrible about having not known about this turned out there were everybody was accounted for we finally found somebody who was supposed to be in a tent but had slept in somebody else's place and uh most people were in campers and tents and whatever, but everybody was safe. Nobody was injured except uh, one person who dove down from their tent top thing, bruised their eye. But uh, it was amazing. God was in control. And, uh, and yet, later, when, uh, later in the year when there were some storm warnings and I could feel the air changing, we were hiding down in the basement, that feeling in my stomach was there like, is God really in control? Um, and I felt bad about it because I knew that God was in control. But um, strangely, the following year at a different camp, and Misty Mellon might not remember this, we were at Grantsburg and uh, I could feel it again. And I was quoting Psalm 23 to myself, the Lord's, and, uh, and then they came in and said, there's a tornado, get your pants on, get to the dining hall. And uh, I jumped up and it clicked, God's in control. And I had friends hanging on to me and, going, and I said, God's in control. And from that time, I really haven't felt like uh, there is, I felt like God's in control of the weather. Um, but then, you know, God gives us new things, new challenges, new things we have to be in control of, or that God got to talk to us about. And so um, this is a totally new one. Um, okay, well, 100 years ago we had Spanish flu, but none of us were around then. So for us, it's new. There's been things happening in other countries, but... For most of us, this is brand new. Um, and so we are in unprecedented times, and yet not. 
Uh, this is not something God has never seen before. This is not something the people of God have never seen before. And so we are in a time when we are having to increase our trust in God in a whole new way. We're having to ask, who is God? Who is Yahweh? Who is Jesus in this time? So um, I want us to think about that. Who is God? Who is Yahweh? Who is Jesus in this time? Um, and two weeks ago, I was not thinking at all about COVID-19 because I was, I mean, well, I was thinking a little bit about it, but not nearly like it is now. And uh, yet, as we were preaching, we said that something is very wrong and it must be made right. And we talked about how when we fell, when we sinned, when we rebelled against God, we messed up the whole world and create greater and greater injustice and that messed up all of creation. And uh, so as much as people talk about evolution and the selection of uh, natural selection and how things are gonna just get better and better, we've bought that myth of progress from evolution, even if, we, even if you don't believe in evolution. Turns out natural selection might be that this is the virus that's naturally selected to be better than everything else. It doesn't help if you just trust some unknown process. Um, but I've got good news for you. God is in control. Yahweh is in control. And our myths that everything is getting better in progress and there's nothing wrong are starting to be challenged by this. Our gods are being challenged by this. Um, so there is some bad news. Um, and we said last time that uh, there is bad news. And the bad news is much worse than we thought it was. And two weeks ago, we didn't think the COVID-19 news was that bad, but it's much worse. <laughs> but the truth is that the good news is much, much better. And the badder the bad news gets, the gooder the good news gets. And God has answers for all that we are facing. So one of the things that God has said to us, it, we looked at the bad news that we are dying. I had a friend, Tom Tuttle, some of you would know, who, when we, we'd hit a, an icy patch or something, he'd say, we're all gonna die! Um, and he'd say, well, it's true. Yeah. We're all gonna die. Um, and we knew we were all gonna die. And yet this icy patch is throwing us for a little bit of, uh, we didn't know it was gonna be that soon, or that people got close to us, or we are all dying. And uh, we are also all slaves. And that was the truth that was confronting the Israelites we talked about last time in their uh, in their time with uh, in in Exodus, the uh, we looked at what happened there, and and I just want to remind you in the midst of all this that this is a year for the just king, and the just king is still on the throne. So who is the just king? Um, is the just king Pharaoh? Well, no, he was the unjust king, and they were enslaved to him. And is the unjust king all the gods of Egypt? Um, no. And we have to ask ourselves, who can we depend on? Who are our gods? Who are our kings that we can depend on? And right now, everything that can be shaken is being shaken, as one scripture says. And so we think that our medical care is going to protect us, but in case you haven't heard, they don't have an answer for this. They don't have a cure. They don't have a virus. They don't have a vaccine. They don't have a, an answer to cure us from COVID-19. Um, the government is trying this, that, and the other thing, trying to close the borders again, but it's not working. Nothing we're doing is, is really helping the, the stock market and the economy that we depend on. Our jobs are tanking. And uh, it, it feels like um, maybe the wilderness or the plagues. Um, 
And all the things that we depend on, even being able to get together at church isn't happening now. So how are we going to make it through this? And so when things were really bad for the Israelites, when they were in slavery and they were being killed and their children were being killed, God was paying attention, even though they couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. But he was paying attention and he sent Moses to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's question was, who is Yahweh? Who is this God that you're talking about? So we, that's the key question in Exodus. And God sends these plagues to let Pharaoh know, the Egyptians know, the Israelites know, all the nations know that who he is. And who he is is he's the one in charge of, it turns out in here, sickness and death. He's the one who sends the snakes. He's the one who sends the... the, uh, the, the, the he provides the river Nile. He provides. It's not some other god. Not some other way. It's not our economy, our health care. If you've been healthy, it's not because of your health care. Yeah. It's because God's giving you health and life. And so we need to be depending again on the one Lord and the one God. So who is Yahweh is the question. And it's a time for increasing trust. I kind of think maybe God's been preparing us for this. We've been talking about increasing trust for a couple years. Now we have a great chance to uh, practice increasing trust. And God's giving us um, an opportunity to increase our, our trust. We wondered who Jesus is. Well, he said he's the Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us in 1 Corinthians 5-7. We looked at that last time. The Passover lamb was the one who died sacrificially so that they would be protected from death. And it turns out that Jesus' death saved us from the bad news. So who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is Yahweh, as it turns out. Um, and Jesus is Yahweh saves. That's what his name means. And that's the question we keep getting asked in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. He heals people, all kinds of people. And they say, who is this who can heal people? And he forgives people. They say, who, who can forgive people? He calms the storm. And they say, who can just tell the storm to be quiet? And... Who can do all of these things? And finally, Peter figures out Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And so then, immediately after that, Peter said, Jesus says, now I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And Peter says, no, that doesn't work. But it turns out that because Jesus is Yahweh, because he has all this control, it's still part of his plan that he's going to die. And it turns out that on the cross, it says in Colossians 2.15, he disarmed and defeated the powers and the authorities. So the just king, we asked, why was Jesus cru crucified? He was crucified to make us right and just with God and others we have sinned against. He sacrificed himself to make us right with others. And he died to free us from the powers including sin and death. Now I want you to remember that this is the same slide I put up two weeks ago yeah. before all this changed right. when we were like, oh yeah, death, whatever. <laughs> death, sickness, yep. he has conquered it all. Now we are in a place where he was enthroned on the cross and then he was ascended to be enthroned by the right hand of God and he is going to be enthroned forever. We're in that already and not yet. So the illness hasn't been wiped out yet. Yeah. Death hasn't been wiped out yet. 
but we have confidence that he has already won. He's already been enthroned on the cross. He has already won, and yet his victory is coming. So I want us to stay in that place of uh, realizing that he is the Passover lamb who was slain to defeat death for us. He is the one who has defeated death. Now, um, we don't see it all done yet. It says he's going to, the last enemy to be defeated is death. And so he has done it as the Passover lamb. We haven't seen it all in completion. Now, let me give you an example of that. So some of us are really praying and quoting Psalm 91. It's going to save us from the de deadly pestilence. And that's true. He is the protection from the deadly pestilence. And uh, yet, it's not all complete yet. So, for example, the Israelites had the Passover. And then... They were, God brought them to this place where they were stuck against the sea. And it looked like things were terrible and they were going to get wiped out. And they were all going to die. And they started to say, why are we all going to die? And then God made a way through that. And there was a death and a resurrection through that. And then they got into the wilderness and then they stopped getting things to eat. And they said, we're all going to die. Yeah. And they started complaining. And yet in each of these places, God was increasing their trust and teaching them how to do things. So... Anybody remember this slide? Welcome to the wilderness. Mm -hmm. So last Lent, this is our theme, an invitation to join Jesus in the wilderness. Now, I'm guessing that some of you feel like we have just joined Jesus in the wilderness. Maybe that's because you're home alone. Maybe that's because you're home alone with your kids or your spouse, or I, I don't know what kind of wilderness you're exactly dealing with, but um, things have changed. And this is an opportunity for us. We talked about spiritual um, spiritual disciplines that can help us in this time. Mm -hmm. We said sometimes there are things that are taken away that help us to have better disciplines. Sometimes there are things that are added that help us to have better disciplines. This is a time when solitude is one of the spiritual disciplines. Some of us, like Jesus, are out alone in the wilderness. Now this is a time of temptation, a time in the wilderness when the Israelites got it all wrong. And they didn't really trust God. But Jesus got it all right, and he did trust God. I want you to remember, we talked about last time, uh, last year, that this is what God was doing in the wilderness. He was making them a people of his presence, a holy, mobilized people, dependent, trained children, and a grateful, God-fearing people. He is doing that, or he can be, in this time, while we are right here in this wilderness. He was dealing with He's making them a trustfully obedient people as well. He's dealing with our idols. We talked about the deep idols. We talked about the idols of Egypt and all the things. We talked about the deep idols of power, approval, reputation, control, etc. But it's a chance for us to learn to trust God in a new way. If you look at Luke, Luke 4, you see that God says, You're my dearly loved child. You bring me great joy. So Jesus knows who he is. We know who Jesus is. He was the Son of God. He was the Chosen One, the Messiah. Um, and at the same time, this was a prediction of his crucifixion and his death, like the dearly loved child Isaac. Like, uh, so, and Jesus was tempted in this time to not trust. Satan tempted him for provision. Now our economy is going all over the place and our, your retirement funds just tanked. And your job you might have lost. And you might not be sure what you're going to eat tomorrow. 
we don't know all the things that we, but he said, make the bread into a stone. He said, no, I'm going to depend on God and let him provide for me. We're not self-sufficient. It's time for provision. It's time for us to provide for each other. It's also um, not a time about power and position. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth, he said. But Jesus said, no, I'm not super. I'm not going for that. It's also not a time for protection and prestige. I want you to look at that because this is uh, a, a tricky kind of thing. Luke 4, um, Jesus is... Uh, Satan quotes Psalm 91. Can you believe it? The psalm that many of us are saying God's going to protect us and we'll, we'll never... He quotes the end of Psalm 91 and says this. Um, you, since you're the... He brings him to the... To the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, since you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say you will, he will guard his angels to protect, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So here's a chance to follow Psalm 91. But Jesus responds, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God as he did in the wilderness. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So I want to just say, when we quote the scriptures, we want to quote the scriptures, quote them in faith, and then also say, and the scriptures also say, the scriptures say no deadly pestilence will come upon you. They also say Job had a lot of problems. They also say Jesus suffered. Jesus also says, take up your cross and follow me. I had trouble in this world, you're going to have trouble. He didn't guarantee us that none of us will die. No Christians will die. I just read a, a blog by um, uh, a Malaysian friend of mine sent me this blog. He lives in Singapore now. I read it. It turns out to be a friend of our kids in Northwestern. But her father died confronting the SARS epidemic as a Christian doctor. But he did it with faith that God was going to had life for him. And that's the thing. As Christians, we have a confidence nobody else can have because we know Jesus defeated death. So even if we die, it's temporary. Death is temporary for us. We're going to have resurrected bodies. So the body matters enough that it's going to be resurrected. So it's not that it's just a spiritual thing and that, that uh, public health isn't a concern of the church. Your body matters. God is going to heal you. God's healed you all kinds of times. He's protected you from all kinds of viruses. You've recovered. Um, so for ourselves, we, uh, you've heard this story before, but when we went, when we were getting ready to go to Tanzania, somebody came and gave a prophecy, and you know, usually those are very encouraging. I said, this time somebody came and said, so you think it's going to be hard, but it's going to be harder than you think for longer than you think. And we were like, oh, we thought it was going to be really hard already. Um... <laughs> Turned out it was really hard. We were sick 40 times, started having panic attacks, we had a stillbirth, and it was really, really hard. And that's where I started asking questions about sickness and death. And, um, but the prophecy went on to say, but you will be refined if you persevere. If you persevere, you will be refined as gold and you will bring forth much fruit. And it turns out God refined us in the fire. And there's been much fruit in Tanzania and in Kenya and beyond because of, of what happened in that time, even the fact of writing about sickness and death and other things. 
And so God is going to do things in us if we persevere. In Swahili, mbumilibu hulambibu, the one who perseveres eats the right thing. You keep laboring in the hot sun, you're going to have something good to eat at the end of the season. So um, let's persevere in this time. Let's be, let's be um, faithful. Now I want to bring up uh, some other things as we have this difficult thing between faith and fear and what does faith mean? Um, I want you to know that faith does not mean rah, rah, I'm just so excited and it's not dependent on your faith. If you had faith in the stock market in the last week, it doesn't matter how good your faith is, the stock market is down. And uh, so it's not about your faith, it's about who you have faith in. So you might recall this, we talked about the snake being the symbol of death and healing in the, mid, in the East. And so the Pharaoh had this snake on his head because he was supposedly in charge of death and of healing. But Mo Moses brought his stick and put it on the ground and turned into a snake to prove that God had charge of that and it ate up all the other snakes. It was a symbol that was supposed to, and then in the desert, you remember this, let's go to, Nova, to Numbers, um, chapter 21. And the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? Now, we're going to be tempted to complain at some point about why are we in this wilderness? Yep. Mm -hmm. But you know what? God doesn't have to answer our questions. That's what Job found out. Job, ask questions. Go ahead, ask questions, ask God. But don't complain to other people. Ask God, complain to God. We talked about that in our complaint sermon about this text. Um, and they said, there's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Interesting, they had something to eat, but they, like some teenagers I know, who say they don't have anything to wear. Um, they said they didn't have anything to eat. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. They repented. That's the good thing. Mm -hmm. Repent. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. He prayed for the people, and then the Lord told him, So let's keep that in mind. As this is coming, let's pray for God to show us ways, means, um, or just miraculous deliverance against this affliction, uh, against COVID-19. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. And G Moses showed them this, and that has now become a symbol for us of this. That, uh, but I want you to keep in mind that the snake on a pole was supposed to be something they looked at as a means to trust God. Mm -hmm. So look to Jesus to heal you, to protect you, to provide for you. He will. He'll have some means of jobs and, and uh, medicine and maybe some other things. But our danger is that we so easily take it for granted and we so easily put it on ourselves. So, oh, well, the life expectancy is going up as if we made that happen. Mm -hmm. And as if our technology, our medicine, and all these things are, are creating that. God is the one who gives life, who gives health, who gives provision, and he will continue to do that. Jesus dealt with demons, he preached the kingdom of God, and he healed people. He still has that power. Um, 
We talked about the guinea worm last time as the original connection to the snake on the pole. Public health is a good thing. So Jimmy Carter and Bill Gates and some other people have worked together to almost eradicate the guinea worm affliction and basically with education, not with a new drug or anything else, just teaching people to not drink unsafe water, to not put their fiery legs into, un, into water to cool themselves off. And they have just about eradicated what was 80 million people with this terrible affliction, mostly ignored because it was poor people. Over some decades here now, they are just about done, just about wiped out guinea worm. Jimmy Carter's hanging on, hoping that the guinea worm dies before he does, because he's been, he's been trying to do it. So I want to make a point about public health. As we look at these things, sometimes we say faith is, oh, never mind what the medical people say, I just believe God. Uh, some people are, have gotten together in church because we can just pack them in and we, we'll, God will protect us. Public health is something that came from God. It's actually, if you look at um, places in the law, there's a number of places in the law, in fact, actually a number of them are mentioned in the Africa Study Bible, um, where God does things that are very public health. Public health came out of the Old Testament Torah and the law. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what? God is holy. No, notice how it was combination of the spiritual and the physical. God is holy. Therefore, when you go to the bathroom, go outside the camp and bring your shovel and cover it up. We're still trying to get people to build pet latrines and, and, and go where they're supposed to go. Yeah. And they had, um, you remember Jesus arguing about ritual hand washing. We're talking about hand washing even these days. In fact, if you want to combine spiritual and physical, do like my sister and say the Lord's Prayer while you're washing your hands. Uh, so that you get it for 20 seconds and you have a good combination. Um, I, I won't get, there's lots of demonstrations about hand washing, but I could do that for you um, for my certified nursing assistant training. But um, wash your hands, keep some social distance, don't get together with too many people. It makes sense to follow the laws. They, again, in the Old Testament, the people with infectious diseases were told to go outside the camp and to stay there until the priest certified that they had been cleansed. And then there was a ritual to make sure they had, and a ritual to make sure they were completely reintegrated into the community and they weren't shunned anymore. So there's public health in scripture. We need to pay attention to it. It's a good gift from God. It's not a God. So let's not go back to it being a God, but let's keep it as some good advice as we as we follow. See, he said, you will have none of these diseases if you obey me, if you follow. Um, so a lot of us want to ignore all that advice and eat everything we want and, and do wacky things and uh, um, drink all we want and, and not pay attention to this stuff and then still pray for God to heal us. It kind of goes together. So I want to encourage you that it's not lacking faith to obey the Minnesota Department of Health in their suggestions about how we can keep ourselves safe. But the Minnesota Department of Health is not going to save us. We need to depend on Jesus to save us. So pay attention to the things that are happening on the, uh, the advice that you're getting and uh, staying away from people and find virtual ways to connect with people, etc. But I want you to know that it's a time for increasing trust. Um, I want to, uh, just a, one more story from the, from the editor of this 
Africa Study Bible, John Jusu. Dr. John Jusu was a neighbor of mine, a friend of mine. Um, with uh, when Ebola came to Sierra Leone, he uh, he always goes back to his village at least once a year. He was there, and they said, "Oh, Ebola's a long ways away." He said, "No, yeah, it's in another country, but it'll get here." And so he said, we're going to figure out, we're going to put hand washing stations all over, we're going to put a hut over here, we're going to build for the people who are going to be quarantined if they get it. And he, he had about $4,000 from friends that he spent to get a doctor and some other people to make some public health messages, go out on their, on their motorcycles or walk and tell people what needed to happen. And uh, then after he'd done that, he went and talked to the Bible school in Freetown. And he said, you need to start teaching people in chapel and in classes about what we're going to do here. They said, oh, it's far away. It's never going to come here. Well, it did come to Freetown and it devastated Freetown. And Ebola was a, was a terrible thing. And, and, but John Jusu's county had no cases wow. of Ebola in the whole county because he had prepared ahead of time. And he had combined his bachelor's in science with his... PhD in education and his faith in God and his, and his uh, training to say, let's do what we need to do. Again, one of the things in here is how you treat a dead body and who's unclean and how long you're unclean after a dead body. Now, Ebola is a lot less challenging than COVID-19 because it, uh, it's deadlier and it kills off its hosts quicker. So we have a big challenge. It may get harder. It may be longer than we think. Um, and harder than we think. But if we persevere, God will refine us and he will make us, um, refine us as gold and he will make us a blessing. He will do amazing things and there will be fruit. So let me challenge you with a few things. Um, increasing trust now in this time. So ask yourself, how am I gonna increase my trust in Jesus? Well, first of all, you have an, an, a new chance to increase your trust in Jesus. <laughs> And um, the, the uh, scripture that I, I sent out in the, in the email and that is in, the, in, the, uh, in this, um, this uh, video as well is the, is the scripture about Habakkuk. Habakkuk asked Jesus, asked God, he said, there's all these unjust people and you're not doing anything. And so God answered and said, yeah, I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring the Babylonians. And he's like, no, that's, how's that going to work? Because the Babylonians are more unjust. So, yeah, you're answering the injustice of the people. Of, but how... And then... So God explained to him some of his... What he was going to do. Now, I haven't gotten any explanation from God. I don't know exactly what his plan is in COVID-19. But I know he's at work. And I know he hasn't lost control. And in the midst of this, in our fallen world, he's going to do some things. So, in that um, scripture, uh, at the end of that scripture... Um, Habakkuk is upset <laughs> and he says I trembled inside when I heard this my lips quivered with fear my legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror so now if you're a little bit afraid in this time it's okay Habakkuk was too and then he says I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us later even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines and the stock market tanks, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren and I have nothing to eat, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, and even if COVID-19 kills people that I love, he says this, 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. So in the midst of this situation, God can take your feet and make them more sure-footed than they've ever been before. When I was living in Jerusalem for uh, four months, uh, we went for a trip down to the Dead Sea and then up uh, Ravine and Gedi, and there was a sheer cliff. And I saw this deer, mountain goat, whatever. Uh, I didn't see how he was doing it, but somehow on that sheer cliff, he was running, dancing, jumping, and getting higher and higher. And I think in this situation, this cliff is going to give an opportunity for us to increase our trust, mm -hmm. an opportunity for other people to observe us yeah. having trust and going higher in our trust. It's going to be an opportunity for us to reach out to other people who don't know Jesus and don't have anything to trust in, and their gods have just fallen apart, and say, hey, Jesus can handle it. God is in control. And it's going to allow us to have hinds feet on the high places, as one book puts it. So um, years ago, I, I wrote a song related to that, um, and I'm going to sing it for you. I've never sung it. Um, before, except in my private devotions, but I'll say it for you just in case you want to uh, hang on to it. It goes like this. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. For the Sovereign Lord is my strength, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. The Sovereign Lord is my strength, He enables me to go on the heights. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. For the Sovereign Lord is my strength, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. The Sovereign Lord is my strength, He enables me to go on the heights. So as you come to this time, may your trust increase in Jesus. May you know who Yahweh is. May you know who Jesus is in this time in a new way. And I want to encourage you to do some real practical things. Um, so one of my Lent disciplines that I didn't tell you all about was to, uh, um, I was going to not watch too much news or too much Facebook and any mm -hmm. Facebook or news that I watched, I was gonna pray as much as I did. Now this last week, it kind of went out the window because um, I was trying to keep up with what was going on and what we were supposed to do as a church. and. Um, I was praying more, but I was not praying as much as I was trying to keep up with the news. Yep. And, uh, and you know what happened? Sometimes when I was keeping up with the news until late at night, I had a hard time getting to sleep because mm -hmm. I was getting uh, upset about it. So I want to encourage you to try at least approximating that. Yep. Get closer to praying as much as you get feedback. Because actually, all this news is great feed for prayer yep. and opportunities for us to pray for places around the world. So um, I want to ask you too, how will you love others in this time? Because we're supposed to love God, trust God, we're supposed to love others. How are you going to love others in this time? This is a great opportunity to love others. First of all, in our church. Well, maybe first of all, in your family. This is your opportunity. You've been saying, oh, I wish the kids were home more. Now here they are, they're home. And you have lots of opportunity to love each other and work through all those things you haven't worked through in, in the meantime. You have opportunities to, to be loving to those who you're stuck with, and you have opportunities to love people who are stuck with nobody. Mm -hmm. So call somebody, pray for somebody, 
other people in the church, you know, um, as pastors, we're going to try to, to be in contact with you. We sent you our, our phone numbers too and email so you can contact us. Mm -hmm. But um, we can't do it all, obviously. So I want you to be calling each other, praying for each other. When somebody comes to mind, pray for them and then give them a call or some other way. In fact, don't text them. Don't email them. Call them because or FaceTime or, or Zoom or, or uh, Skype or something where they can see your face or go for a walk with them six feet apart um, or whatever works. Um, but reach out to those people who are who are going to be lonely. And then I want you to think about the people who don't know Jesus, people who aren't in our church, the people who are shaking in their boots. You know, it turned out there was a whole bunch of other people who went with the Israelites out of Egypt because they'd been convinced about who Yahweh was in the midst of all those plagues. And so um, they, in fact, they were convinced enough to <laughs> give them a bunch of, of their stuff. But um, some of the Egyptians, even some of the magicians, ran home and, and hid their cows so that they wouldn't get hurt with the hail. So I want you to reach out to some other people. Myself, um, and you can hold me to this, I have a list of my neighbors and their phone numbers or their emails because... Uh, we, we hosted a couple of national nights out, but I've never put together an email list and written to them. Um, but this is a chance for me to write to them and just say, hey, how are you doing? And how are the older people doing? And can we, and then there's probably some practical things. You know, maybe somebody needs you to bring them some toilet paper or some food. Maybe there's some, some people who can't go out at this time that need you to help. Some of you who are younger and uh, have some opportunities. So as you're with your colleagues, as you're Skyping with them and trying to do virtual office, you know, be honest. When people say, how are you doing? Tell them how you're doing. And if how you're doing is, I'm doing okay because Jesus is with me, just say that. Um, I don't know. Figure out how you can love others. And then finally, how will we as Bethel Christian Fellowship and our All Nations Family Churches, how are we going to radiate life and joy? In this time, when there's a lot of sadness and death and sickness, how are we going to radiate life and joy that we get from God as a house of prayer for all nations? Now, the beautiful thing about prayer is it's not virtual. It's face-to-face. -face. We can, because of the cross, mm -hmm. we can go boldly into the throne before Jesus. You know, the cross makes all the difference. Because Jesus came, he entered into our sickness, our pain, our suffering. That cross means a whole different thing. We don't have a philosophical answer to suffering and sickness and explanation of why COVID-19, but we have a cross and we have a community and a church. And we have, this is Isaiah Majak Dell, is these things. The cross, the community, character, we can be transformed in our character as we learn to trust in God in a new way. And finally, Jesus is coming again and it's all gonna be complete and he's gonna wipe every tear from our eye, which means we're going to have some tears in our eyes in the meantime. But Jesus is with you. Even if I can't be with you, Jesus is with you in his cross, in his church, his community, in his character that he's going to give to you, and he's going to come again and he's going to take care of this. Um, so how are we going to pray for all nations? I want to encourage you to not only pray for the people who are, uh, you know, who are affected by this. I want you to pray for the nations. I've been in contact with some people in some other nations, you know, my daughter in, in Nairobi, they shut down the university, they've shut down the public schools. I called the, the leaders in Tanzania, they've shut down the schools and, the, uh, and they don't have hardly any cases, they think, but of course, yeah. with testing, we, no idea. So, 
we're trying to flatten the curve so that we don't get to the capacity of our healthcare system. They were already way over the capacity of the healthcare system. Um, they got 1% of the, Africa's got 1% of the world's healthcare money and 3% of the people, 11% of the population, 25% of the disease already. So um, the rest of the world really needs our prayer as well as here. So, and there are people from the nations who are around here. There are people who are undocumented, who are not going to get any unemployment benefits and any, any uh, other things that, that we, I don't know what God's going to show you, how he's going to show you to love somebody else, how he's going to show you to pray. But prayer is the one thing that is not virtual, mm -hmm. is immediately available, that we can be in close contact with, with God, and we can make a difference in the lives of those around us and far from us. We can't travel anymore to do medical teams anywhere in the world, but we can pray. And God can do what God is going to do. And I am excited to see what God's going to do in this time. I pray that he's going to do something transformational in me and in us and in the church. You know what? This has made a difference throughout the, you know, let me tell you. When there was plagues coming through the Roman Empire, the Jews were pretty good at taking care of each other. The Christians were the only ones who went out and took care of other people mm -hmm. when there was sickness. And the Christians out of that created hospitals and places for people to go. And, and the nuns became nurses, which is why nurses wear funny uniforms. Um, and, and the priests were the doctors, which is why there's those funny uniforms on the doctors. And then all of that happened until the 50s. Most of the hospitals were um, Christian, but then there got to be a lot of money in that and, they, and uh, a lot of expense as well. And they got taken over by business, the government, other people. But some of it still has St. Joseph's and there's St. Mary's. There's all these names that remain. Um, but it's time for us to reclaim that, that Jesus is the answer for everything, not just for your soul. And it's time for us to act like we are. So I want you to pray also specifically for the people in healthcare, specifically for the people in healthcare in our church, because they're going to be on the front lines. And it happened with Ebola. You know, one of my friends who is, was in West Africa, it was her Christian doctor friends who were out there doing things. And Kent Brantley, you remember that name, was one of the people who came down with Ebola. And uh, he was a doctor, an American, and he'd been out there to do it, and he recovered. And he thanked people for the prayers. He said the prayers were what helped him recover, what made him recover. He also thanked them for good health care. But um, he was an example of what the church can do. So our health care personnel, people from receptionists to nurses to doctors, are going to have to, CNAs, are going to have to be out there with people, even as we're um, protecting others by not being with people. And so I want you to pray specifically for them as they face those challenges not only here, but around the world. So would you pray with me now? Lord, we, we confess that we so often depend upon ourselves. We depend upon our healthcare, government, our savings, whatever it is. But Lord, we realize that this has humbled us, that we must depend upon you. It has reminded us that you are God and we are not and nothing else is. And Lord, I pray that in this time would be, we would be increasing our trust in you. We would be knowing you in a new way. We would be loving each other and loving others in a new way. We would be finding ways to be what you have called us to be, 
specifically in the vocations and the locations and the relationships that we have, and also as a church, as Bethel Christian Fellowship, as the All Nations Family Churches, as the church throughout the world, that you would enable us to do what you have called us to do in this situation. God, we can't do it. We're afraid. We're unsure. We don't know, but we trust you. Help us in our unbelief to trust you more. Help us in our selfishness to love you and love others more. God, you can do it in us. And we pray for your healing and your breaking of this plague, this virus. But we pray that you would be honored and exalted when that happens and in everything that happens. God, we need you. We must have you. And we've been reminded of that now. And I pray for each one who's listening to this. God, would you be with them? Would they sense your presence as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death? May they not fear evil because you are with them. As they read Psalm 23, may it be real to them. May they be blessed with others who care for them. And may they care for others as well. God, be with each one. I pray for your healing and your health to each one who's listening to this. I pray that you would bless them. We know that you give health and healing. You care about our bodies. You care about our trust. And we know also that as long as we're trusting you, we can be healed, we can be sick, we can die, and we still get to win because you are our Passover lamb. You died in our place as a substitute, taking our death so that we can have victory over the powers, victory over sin and guilt, and that we can be with you eternally and we can have resurrected bodies. Thank you that we can trust you for this life, for the next life, for all parts of life. Be with us in this next week and in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.